Welcome to Off the Bounce. This is the NBA podcast that you did not know you needed in your life. I'm your host, Gajan. As always, I'm joined by Vic Nesh. Hey, hey. And Nissan. What's going on, folks? And you know I got the fun facts. Did you guys know that slots have more neck bones than giraffes? You're not going to have any more neck bones unless you come with some real facts Ouch. next time. Wow, that's, that Ouch. sounded like a threat. No, it was just me giving him some constructive criticism before I deconstruct his neck bones. Eesh. Sounds like a threat to me. Why are we you... here to talk about giraffe neck bones or are we here to talk hoops? We're here to talk hoops. That's this true. is the monthly Off the Bounce podcast where we talk about issues and topics happening in the NBA. And then we pull the lens back to really look at it big picture and what it means for the sport as a whole. We got three topics to dissect today. And again, open conversation. So let's get into it. DeMarcus Cousins, he's back on the Warriors lineup. They officially have essentially five all-stars on the team. So let me get your first impressions looking at these players playing together. What are your impressions of DeMarcus, Mr. Boogie himself? And then we'll kind of talk about this impact on the league. So Viknesh, why don't you start us off watching these guys play together and finally seeing Boogie Cousins after his Achilles injury on the court. What are some of your thoughts? Well, one, um, Boogie looks pretty decent to me. I think that, you know, he's definitely, like, lost a little bit of a step in terms of, like, he was never, like, a superstar defender or, like, a crazy rim protector or anything. But he was, like, a, a paint presence. But what he did lose was, like, that, you know, that lateral movement to, like, help play help defense. And Mike, like, my biggest thing was, like, how is he going to fit in with, like, the Warriors who like to get out and run on the fast break? But, like. Just seeing the way they use him in the half court, like in the pick and roll with Kevin Durant, his first play was like this monster jam oh, yeah. on the pick and roll with Kevin Durant. Right. Then like he, they're giving it to him at the top of the elbow and they're letting him facilitate something that Boogie did really well with Anthony Davis in New Orleans. And just seeing him like be a ball handler and have Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, who are two of the best off ball moving shooters, like... I think the ha- I think the half court offense of Golden State just got a lot more deadlier. Like once 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 Demarcus gets into the flow of things. Nissan, what about you watching I mean, that game? He is, I mean, they're dangerous to watch now. They're dangerous because you don't know where they're gonna get you from. You know, the biggest. I mean, I don't, it's hard to say that Warriors ever had a weakness, but if you had to pinpoint one of them. Like, their pain points in the past was their center. Like, there's that center position with whether it's Iguodala putting into that lineup or even on, uh, for, sorry, Draymond. Like, it's almost like you can kind of sag off when they run that pick and roll. But now it's like, you can't do that when you got DeMarcus there. And again, very limited on minutes, right? But, and foul trouble. And foul trouble in his first game. That's true. But, I mean, I think he's slowly getting his legs back. Again, Achilles injury, really, really hard to come back from. You know, one of the worst injuries, I would say. For big men especially, because, I mean, the, I think the only player to ever come back and, you know, play actually really well, we don't, I mean, I don't even think I've seen him play. But, again, dangerous to watch. Man, I'm scared. Like, I, I would want to give him the, you know, put them in the finals right now. Just put them in there. Like, can you, like, can anyone really go up, go up against these guys? Like, everyone was like, hey, Golden State's just hitting their stride, you know, they're blowing out, you know. They come, they come into Denver, the number one seeded team, right? You're like, oh, this is a test. Golden State blows them out by like 30 in Denver. Then they follow that up with like a monster showing out in like LA. Then they're just like hitting their stride and they're just, 
get anything together. And a lot of people were like, do we want DeMarcus Cousins to come back right now? And it seems like the Warriors are just like on that tear. Like Clay is now out of his slump officially. Um, do we want DeMarcus to come back? And then and Clay ended up going like almost nine for 10, I believe, yeah. for three, almost 10 threes in a row. And again, if you're in the building, and if you're the opposing team, you can't help but look at them and be like, Damn! just kind of taken back by what's about to happen. Because this might be the worst Boogie Cousins we've seen. And if this is the worst that he's playing, that's scary. That's really yeah. scary. And he's going to pl- get into playing shape. I think you should play that like that little soundbite maybe five times. Because every time each one of those players come out of the t- tunnel. So, okay. Why don't you, how about you announce the players? Okay. All right. So, presenting to you, the Golden State Warriors. Your point guard, Steph Curry. Damn! Your guard, Clay Thompson. Damn! You got your forward and Kevin Durant. Damn! And you always got your power forward, Draymond Green. Damn! And your center, DeMarcus Cousins. Damn! <laughs> like, literally, like, think about it. Just imagine, like you said, imagine sitting on that podium. This bench. is the Monstars. This is exactly what Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny saw coming out of the, the tunnel. Yeah, it literally is. And I think this is why. Maybe- should they change it to the Golden State Monsters? Is, is, should that happen? I really feel like it needs to happen. Is that really? Can that, can that really maybe their alternate jersey should be the Monsters jersey. Honestly, Nike, listen, we will not hold this idea as our own. You guys can take it and run with it. But imagine next year, the city jersey. It's the Monstars colorway with the Golden State logo. Oh, my God. I think it needs to happen. But let's, let's pull the lens back a little bit. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, seeing this sort of team, they, they have a chance and a real chance to win their fourth championship in five years, which arguably makes them the greatest team ever, I would argue. Is this something that ultimately you as a fan of the sport would want to see again in your lifetime? Or is this something that you're just it happy, you're happy it happened, but you want to go back to the days where it's maybe two or three players partnering up and, you know, let's keep it, let's keep it civilized out there. Vikna, start us off. No, I don't want to see this. I don't. Like, I liked, I liked the iteration of Golden State where, like, you drafted these players, you grew them, the team developed, you know, ownership changed, coach staff changed, boom, you win a ring. You become this amazing team, and then boom, you add like one key free agent. I feel like all teams, all great teams have like gone out and done that, right? Like with the Bulls, they won three rings, and then like their next evolution that truly put them into the stratosphere of like greatest team of all time, like dynasty, dynastic teams, were was that uh, that acquisition of Dennis Rodman, right? Like for the for the second for the second three P. Like we had Scotty. And we had MJ. Then you then you bring in like the Dennis Rodman. You get Steve Kerr. You get you have Horace Grant. You know, um, even even with the Lakers, like even with the Lakers, like we had Shaq, we had Kobe, and like Shaq came from Orlando, whereas like where it's, it's like that dynastic team, like that dynasty, arguably one of the greatest dynasties, right? But you know, three three championships in a row. That was like, it's like you have a homegrown player along with like someone that you go and acquire, right? right similar right. to similar to the 80s Bulls, similar to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar even coming to the Lakers from Milwaukee. What 
I think happened here with this current version of Golden State, it's like, yo, they're only pretty much half a season deep, right? DeMarcus just came back. We didn't even get one full season of this squad. Yeah, I'm like, they're the favorites to win the ring right now, but can we really put them in that conversation? No, like, this is such a small sample size. Uh, what? What? <laughs> what do you mean there's such a small sample size? Really? Like, dude, this hey. is not even like, A, this is not even prime DeMarcus. We know that. B, this is not like, but does this... every player have to be in the prime? Because that means you'd have to get them all from the same draft class, relatively speaking. Okay. That's, kind of, that's kind of a stretch. Because it doesn't matter if it's in the prime. Look at the team as a whole. They have five perennial all-stars on the starting lineup. Is that not enough? No, that is not enough because then I could we could go back to that 04 Lakers squad that had Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, two-time defensive player of the year. He was not right? an all-star when he was on that squad. It, but just like you said, it doesn't matter if they're all in their prime right now. They even had a Karl Malone who was probably at the very okay, tail okay. end of his you're, career. Now you're stretching it. Look at these five active players right now. I would argue that they're in their prime years. That prime year gap between like 25 and 30, a little maybe maybe even 31, they're all there right now. And you can fact check me if I'm wrong. But Carl Malone, Gary Payton were well on their tail end of their career. Instrumental, veteran players, but not to the athleticism that they but once they were. were. They weren't the they, athleticism that they once were. I know, but they... And they, are you going to sit there and tell me that that... Lakers squad, and I'm a Lakers fan, <laughs> that that Lakers squad could take on the way this team plays? That that offense that is Lakers ready? Squad, that Lakers squad went to the NBA Finals and lost to Detroit. But what I'm saying is the fact that they had a plethora of All-Stars. They had four, four, four like Hall of Famers. I hope you know team. you're not winning this argument. Because they had four you... Hall of Famers on that team. This team, yeah, now has You're like, saying that this team doesn't have five? Hall of Famers? I don't, I don't know if I... Are, are we well, putting DeMarcus maybe, as a Hall of Famer? Probably not yet. Not, not yet. yet. But I mean... But if, if, he gets this, if he gets this ring and then he goes on to a bigger deal... I don't see why not. There's a, there's a possibility he Dude, could be. He's only 28. Like, the other players on that f- starting five, only Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are 30. And you could arguably say that they're in their prime. Klay Thompson has found his touch. Yeah. They've been rolling ever Don't say since found his touch. He's, he's always had he's it always there. had it, but it came back to him, okay? He, he missed his hand. His, his hand's back now, okay? He got the MJ glove he back on. He got it back. But this all happened ever since that loss against uh, the Lakers on Christmas Day. Ever since then, they've been on this tear, and they've just added a guy that came off an Achilles injury, yes, but he averaged a double-double previous season. Like, again, before the injury, like, 25 points per game, 12 I, rebounds. Like, I got to say, barring any like catastroph- uh, catastrophes or any other kind of injuries or mishaps, I don't see them losing more than five or six games until the playoffs. Like Another thing that a lot of us might not know, and I, again, I heard it on the Ringer podcast, shout out to them, is DeMarcus Cousins actually wanted to come back earlier than scheduled. But Steve Kerr said, hey, listen, we'll bring you back, but you're not getting a lot of minutes. Like Probably somewhere in like the... 10 to 13 minutes now he's like you know what fine i'm gonna come back when you guys want me to come back so i can get more playing time so that goes to show that i mean he was good to go but i think he believes a little bit more in you know what he can bring to the table again do you think by the end of the season that this starting five is going to be at their 100 percent? it's hard to say 100 percent because we don't know 
again, how DeMarcus Cousins... I mean, we don't know if we're going to get that 25 and 12 Okay, so you, player, can't, but, you can't confidently say that. But I can confidently say that opponents will be threatened. To, like, they'll be threatened by it. Regardless not, or not, like, they listen, are. You're playing with the most unselfish team and players around you. Steph Curry doesn't care if he's going to go from, for, from 20 shots a game to 15 shots a game if he has to, to give those five touches to DeMarcus. So, and he's still going to be a post threat. And like you mentioned... He's going to facilitate, and that's the biggest thing that Golden State does is facilitate, and they play such, like, it's almost like watching a symphony when they play basketball, man. Like, they do, they pass that ball around, and they share the ball, and they love seeing each other succeed in that, and they just feed the fire. As soon as DeMarcus hits a 20-point mark or 25-point mark, they're going to continue feeding the fire, and they're not going to worry about, you know, what their stat line looks like. Again, you said it's hard to tell if they're going to be at 100%. I'm saying, you know, by the time playoffs roll around, I don't think that we're going to see, like, the peak iteration of what this starting five can do until we get, like, into the second round of the playoffs. Because, like, DeMarcus, like, we're already well over the 30, like, we're almost at the 40-game mark, which is, like, more than half the season, right? Hovering around half the season. DeMarcus is back, but DeMarcus needs to, like, first get into playing shape, then get more minutes then get more touches, work his way into the offense, learn the offense, then find his place, then, you know, then he can, like, flourish. I appreciate that, but let's, again, let's take a step back here. You said that you don't want to see a dynasty like this, a a team that has five all-stars on their starting lineup happen again in your generation. Nissan, how do you feel about this? Let me talk to you. I like it. I honestly like, like, the last time... Here's a little another fun fact. The last time a team that had five All-Stars in their starting lineup, guess what year it was? Just throw it out a number. Throw out a number. It was probably the 80s like Celtics. 80s Celtics? What do you say? Oh, man. It has to be the Celtics, no? In the 80s? It dates back to 1975-76 seasons. You guys are, I mean, you're right on the part. It's, it was the Celtics. But back in 75-76. Are we talking like Danny Ainge, Bill Russell? Not even. We're talking about JoJo White, Charlie Scott, Dave Cowens, Paul, Paul Silas? Silas? And this is before <laughs> Bill Russell was on the team. Yeah. If it's 70. Exactly. 75-76 was the last time we've seen a five-man All-Star starting lineup. Yeah. I like it. I like the way it's going. And, I mean, it's funny. Was it all white everything. dudes as well? I mean, there's no pictures beside him, but I mean, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I I like it. It's it's funny how everything kind of just fell together. Like Demarcus saying, you know, he, no one gave him an offer sheet. Kevin Durant going in free agency. Um, but listen, like, why not be the like? Why why wouldn't you want to make history happen? Like, who who goes into a team or a franchise and says, you know what, we just want to win a championship? Like, no. Why don't you make history? Like, they have a again possible chance. One three-peating now, which many teams have done. But they have a very no, good no, chance no. of four-peating. Not four many teams have three-peated. Not many teams. Exactly. The last time we seen a three-peat was the Lakers. Right? So they're going to... At the beginning of the century. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, again, two decades in, and this might be another three-peat that we see. I'm actually hoping for a four-peat, but that's going to be on another episode. Listening to both of you guys talk about this, I'm happy that this happened. This is one of those things where... It's almost like a video game. It's like, you know what? Let me play GM. And what if I add the top five players or close <laughs> to the top five players on my team and let's see what happens? I like this. This is entertaining. I, I, lo- I, I watch it and I find myself watching more games than not from a team that I don't normally root for. Um, 
It's a great test. You know what I mean? It's almost like a hypothesis if you had it. Well, we're seeing it in action, and I think we should appreciate it. But I'm going to side with Vic Nesh on this. I think that this is great. Saw it. Appreciate it. There's just something to be said when you're watching the playoffs and there's more than one team in the running, you know, and you're watching the playoffs and you feel like there's maybe three, four, or even five teams that have a chance. I miss those days. You know what I mean? When you're watching on the East, you just knew no matter who was shambled together, LeBron was going to get to the finals. And for the last, again, five years, you're watching the West and you just knew that the Warriors are getting to the finals. So it does take a little bit of wind out of the sails when you know what the end result is going to look like. And especially with this season, it's probably going to be Golden State winning. I, they know that they have maybe one, at least one, but potentially four players that might not return. Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. Either through free agency or trades or assets, whatever it may be, those four probably might not, I mean, again, I won't say probably, it's not that high of a chance, but may not be part of this roster this time next year. So with that being said, I look forward to the days where you can actually see a playoff run and, and have more than one team, you know, actually have a chance. I like how you just threw Houston out of the mix there last season. Come on, they gave Golden State a run for their Okay, money. but looking at but the yo. playoffs going in, <laughs> Looking at the playoffs going in, no one thought that they were going to beat the Warriors. No one, no one thought they were going to beat the Warriors, except for their GM, their coach, their team, and the city of Houston. Okay? And even when, they, yeah, even when Golden State was down at halftime in Game 7, we were all like, yo, I'm pretty sure Golden State is going to go on that third quarter run and take this game away. Yeah, I just want to give a little you know, shout out to Houston there. It's cute. It's cute what they did. Let's move on. I want to talk about tanking. People are already, I mean, they started even before the season started. <laughs> the tanking began, probably began in the summer league. Um, <laughs> but again, this is, this is for maybe good reason because Zion Williamson is going to be a free, well, not a free agent, a draft pick coming into the draft and probably the number one pick of the draft. Are we unanimously calling that here first? Uh, yeah, let's call here, folks. Zion will be the number one pick. Uh, really LeBron-esque. LeBron-esque, stop interrupting me while I go on this, while I set up the topic here, Vic Nash. I don't know why you got to be so rude about it. Uh, <laughs> really, LeBron-esque, power dunker, but also has a, a, a potential three that he's working on, okay? A lot of things attractive about this player. But I want to talk about tanking. There are a couple of teams that are in contention right now. Do you believe that this is something that they should employ with the chance, the opportunity to pick up this player. And this is something you want to see more of in the years to come. Nissan, I'll start with you. I don't like it at all. Um, mainly, one, it sucks being a fan and, you know, watching that. And I think a lot of Philly fans can attest to it, even though, you know, the process is complete. But to tank for one, one specific player, you know, that's coming in the draft, a high draft pick, it's, I don't see why because... Just looking back at history, the last player to, you know, the transcendent player to actually flip a franchise around and take them to the playoffs, I mean, we all know it was LeBron James. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're looking at, if you're, if you're saying transcendent, if that's the word you're using, that's the adjective, yeah. then yes. Yeah. LeBron now, James for sure. Let's do a little bit of a trivia or maybe a true or false question. 
if you were to draft Markel Fultz and see where he is now, is that team going to go to the the finals? No. Okay. Mm. Is that a what is that? That's a no. That's okay. a that's a that's, that's a, a hard no. That's okay. a, that's a, yeah. 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 You see Ben Simmons draft him number one. You guys going to the finals? Mm. No. 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 Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, number one pick, going to the finals or maybe flipping I think, a friend? I, I think he's trans. He has a flipping potential a... to be trans. Okay, no, but no. From what no, we I see now, say is, did he flip a franchise around? Yes or no? No. Andrew Wiggins. Yes or no? No. Anthony Bennett, yes or no? Oh, God, that's a hard no. No. That's a hard no, and I'm flipping the channel to curling. Yeah, for some of y'all that don't know Anthony, go Google him. You know, educate yourself. This is a good one, actually. Anthony Davis. He, I mean, he could be, could be, could be. I think, I think, I think what we're doing is, like, we've got to understand that these players are all number one picks. But also, what situation did they come into? LeBron didn't make the playoffs in his first season. I, mind not you. in his first season, but he did take a team of nobodies. Sorry, but he did take a team of nobodies to the finals. Like, like what? Well, who's the last player to ever do that? Can any of you guys tell me who the last? Like again, back to the topic. I don't see why teams are doing this. Like, even if the Knicks or the Cavs, if they tank and they get this first pick. You add Zion Williamson to the Cavs right now, to the roster that they have now. Are they going to be any better? No, they're not. It's Again, same thing. Like Just to add on to your point, it depends on the franchise. But you got to realize, you know, you, so you, it's almost a chess game, I think. So you're saying, like, it's a hit or miss, like, based on the player, and it's not worth an organization taking that risk? 100%. Especially now that they changed some of the odds. So, I mean, it's kind of a toss-up of who wins, who gets, you know, any of the top five picks now. Yeah. You like know, the, the averages bottom, are kind of evened mm, out now. Mm, the bottom now. three teams have an equivalent chance of getting the number one exactly. pick. Exactly. But I think if you have that chance, you 100% take it. Like, you're looking at it as like, yo, LeBron was like 03 and we're, we're in 2019 and no, and no pick has like radically transformed a franchise to that extent. What I'm saying is, why not take that chance if you have nothing to lose? You know what I mean? So you're against it, Viknesh. Clearly, you, you, you're you for this. Yo, I am I am 100% for this. Anytime like, he starts with yo, he is, he's definitely on board. Oh, yo, yeah. What we, like, look at the Phoenix Suns, right? What was the last time that the Phoenix Suns were, oh, uh, the type of team that you remember, that were in your memory? Back when Steve Nash, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire were there, right? That iteration of the Phoenix Suns, that seven seconds or less, less offense, is that team. Ever since Steve Nash left, that team has had no identity. Yeah, they've had tons of picks, high picks, used them all wrong, and now they are currently sitting at the team that they are here today. They have some cool pieces. Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikael Bridges. But are they like that level of a team that you know we will really pay attention to them. Their their court is still empty. The fans it sounds are like you're making hell. an argument not to tank. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm saying, you know, you have some dope pieces, but there is someone who is projected to be transcendent, franchise altering, Zion Williamson. I would take that chance, and I, I'm I would go out and get him because whether or not he does pan out, you've essentially shown. 
for that first year that he is there, there's that excitement, and you've rejuvenated a franchise. But here's the because thing: because the fran- like no, like the Phoenix Suns are we're, we're stuck in turmoil for like like the better past of the last decade since 2010, which is when like Steve Nash left, right? And like now we're sitting here wondering like, yo, when will the Phoenix Suns be respectable? And I think taking a chance and trying to get a player of like with the hype like Zion is gonna do that to them. Similar situation with Memphis, right? You've had Mike Conley and Marcus for 11 years. You've had grit and grind. Yeah, that's your identity. The city of Memphis loves them. You know, it's like, it's all great, but, but, but they've got to up, move on. They picked up Jared Jackson Jr. in the last draft, again, tanking last year. And then this year, they're like, okay, let's use our pieces and try to come up with something. And it didn't work out. And now they're going back to tanking. And now they're putting Mike Conley and Marcus all on the trading block. Like, at some point, like, this just has to be against the spirit of the game, right? And I guess this is where I fall, is that do you want to see this happen year after year after year where five to ten organizations elect to just non-compete, right? Where they just coast for most of the year, keep everyone healthy, looking at the Knicks where they just over-rest Kristaps Porzingis and say, hey, no, uh, maybe you don't play. Just, just take an extended leave of absence from work. This is not fair to the spirit of the game, right? Really furthering and, and further giving power to the top elite teams. That's one thing. Uh, disenfranchising your, your actual city itself, right? Almost selling out in a way. Losing revenue, costing revenue. And this is the most frustrating thing. This is what's potentially on the line. Let's say they do this and they accrue their picks that they can then undercut and talk to City and hold this as a bargaining chip to say, give us a new stadium or else we're moving somewhere else. And they find a new place to go, which I wouldn't put past an organization like the New Orleans Pelicans. You know what I mean? Like, this is stuff that's really frustrating. Even like Charlotte, whatever, where... You know what? They play this game for year after year after year, taking away from the fans, taking away from the city, uh, bargaining and bargaining and bargaining, and maybe they land that golden goose of Zion Williamson, and they're like, hey, how about you give us a, a nice uh, $3.5 billion tax break, or I just take my team and go somewhere else, like a Seattle. You know, this is a bigger thing at play that, again, the commissioner needs to get involved. Adam Silver needs to get involved and put a stop to this. I, I don't know what the exact way it would be enacted. It's not okay. And I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine, like, would the Raptors organization be okay with this? And because it's not really one person, it's almost like a group, I worry that they look at it as checks and balances. Do I think they'll leave Toronto? Absolutely not. But I wouldn't put it past them to tank in a way to accrue certain picks. Again, I'm talking about organization level. Well, would the coaches actually execute? I don't know. I don't know. I can't speak to that. I, I hope that they don't. But, you know, this is a frustrating thing as a fan. Like, I would want you to go and compete with the pieces that you have. These are the cards you're dealt. Now go and play, right? We saw what Philly did year after year after year. And too many people are giving the pat on the back and a free pass of this. Oh, trust the process, this, that, and the other. But, you know what? I hope that they don't win a single championship. Whoa. 
for the next decade at least. And I want this team to be mixed up. I want Embiid to get a bigger contract somewhere else and maybe go play with LeBron. I don't want them to be rewarded for what they did to the city of Philly. And that's where I'm going to end it. Please feel free to add your two cents, Vignesh. I know you jumped in there for a little bit. You're saying that, yeah, I understand that they, that they, that they did not give Philly you know, the rightful justice it deserved, you know, like being one of the fourth largest market like in the NBA. But, yo, do we even, do Philly fans even think about the process? No, because right now they're so focused on the fact that, yo, we acquired Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, who could potentially become two of the top 10 players in the league, given like, you know, a few, a few years. And we have Jimmy Butler. We legitimately have a chance at the NBA Finals. We are, we are now, we like, we have now set ourselves up to be competitive for the next 10 years. I'm taking, I'm taking three to four years of mediocrity and being at the bottom of the league if I'm given a decade or more of potential, you know, being a, a very highly competitive team. I recognize I will take that. that. I recognize With that. With exciting players, mind you. I recognize that. Uh, again, I like watching them play. It's fun. What I'm saying personally, though, I hope they never win. I hope they don't taste uh, the sweet, sweet victory of an NBA championship because of what they did to get there. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like playing a game. You know, we all, let's just, let's just say, we all go pick up the latest uh, RPG, whatever it is. Uh, let's call it Diablo 4 or whatever it is. And, you know, two of us are playing it on, like, the hardest difficulty and talking about it and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this man over here, I'm pointing to you, but I don't mean you, but like, let's just say this person over here drops it down to the easiest difficulty and then talks about it as if when they got to the end, they felt the same sort of joy, went through the same sort of procedure and all that. It's not the same. It's not the same. Let's not compare it like that. You didn't put in the same sort of work and ethic. And again, really just went against what the sport means. And, and, and again, putting your... The, the revenue at, at risk and, and your people's emotions at risk and really toying around with that kind of you stuff. You can compete. Like, just, you can, you can, if you're running a franchise, you can be smart about your decisions. Like, when Masai came to Toronto, he made smart decisions. Like, I don't remember us actually tanking, tanking. We had shitty teams, part of my language, but we had bad teams. You know, we got Andrea as a number one pick in the past. Who knows what that turned into now? But, I mean, again, we developed our young guys. Like, None of the guys that we have were lottery picks, right? Last I remember. I mean, and look at us now. Like, we're, I think we're number one in the East, are we? One or two hey, behind hey. Milwaukee. But well, you want to know what Andrea Barnani turned into? What did he turn into? Andrea Barnani turned into the number nine overall pick, which is Jacoperto, which then turned into Kawhi Leonard. Okay. So he did turn into something. Okay. <laughs> Good to I mean, know. I, I mean, uh, two things there. Like, let's not give too much credit because that yeah. was a lot of. That was more work on Masai. And yeah. credit to him, again, running an organization as it should be run. Taking up these pieces and doing it the right way. No tanking involved. And now we're half a game back. You should have done your research uh, before are, you joined right? it. Yeah. Um, you know, won the last three. And again, this is the kind of thing you want to see where you're watching them and you're seeing your players compete. They're not putting on this fake show. It's absolutely terrible. And, you know, you can consider Toronto a small market team because... Uh, the the views, the revenue, all it doesn't really count to you know American dealers, right? Yeah. The NBA almost scoffs at that revenue stream. 
almost ignoring it entirely. You can see that because we're never invited to an NBA Christmas Day special. And to add to that, like, now that's Toronto. Like, go to the West. Like, San Antonio. You know, last time they got, a, a, like, a top three pick or top number one pick was Tim Duncan. And ever since then, they they still stay relevant. Again, developed in the young they're, guys. They're really like the Patriots of the yeah. NBA. They, do, like, they have a system. They have a coach that knows it well and develops their athletes. And year after year after year, this is the first year in nearly two decades where they're just not even in contention. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even a thought. You know, in the previous years, you can argue that. But you always felt like this team, if you met them in the playoffs, it wasn't going to be easy. And you got to keep in mind, I mean, they're in a loaded, loaded West. So Yeah, in the East, they're, like, they're, they're a fourth seed. Yeah. Like, even this roster is potentially a fourth seed yeah. in, the, in the East. Like, you, I mean, there's franchises doing it right. You know, you, I mean, that's why. Like, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I don't mean that literally tanking. because, yes, they do have a worse record than even uh, the Celtics right now. I just mean, like, quality-wise. Right, and, yeah. and their potential. But as a Raptors fan, like, Masai just put all the chips on this one season on Kawhi. If Kawhi walks, we lose a lot of the core. And we're now no, at a no, rebuilding no, no, phase. No, 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 and no, I'm no. okay. I'm, no, no, if, no. If, if Kawhi you, if, walks... Listen, he didn't put all the chips, okay? We, we gave up a star player. I, again, all-star player for a superstar player that could be a one-year loan and the support of Danny Green. But here's the thing. We don't go into rebuilding after this. We have a core in Siakam and OG Ananobi. Now it's about building pieces around them and the and the these Raptors. I bet you they will continue to compete. Mark my words. If uh, if Kawhi Leonard leaves and Danny Green doesn't pan out, these Raptors will continue to compete day in and day out. And Masai will put in work on accruing the right talent around them. And in three four years, don't be surprised if they're in the same place they're in right now. And if that accrual of talent involves us having to tank to get a really high draft pick, I'm okay with that. I hate you so much. Let's move on to the next topic. So what we want to end it off on is this uh, comment made by Kyrie Irving where he said pretty publicly, right? You know, he's a veteran, championship winner, um, and really probably the, the reason why Cleveland won their first championship. He went out and said that he called LeBron to apologize, talked about how, you know, it's not easy to get the most out of the guys and really showing respect to LeBron James. And really where the controversy is, is he kind of said this really publicly, just straight to the press. And in a slight way, maybe, and in lack of a better word, a slight to the team that he was playing with a little bit, right? So let me ask you two things. Uh, was it okay for Kyrie to do this and talk to the media in this way and kind of air out this news? And number two, how do you feel about athletes making uh, sort of, their locker room happenings and their ongoings more public than it should be? Well, for starters, now, homie G, Kyrie Irving, you were wrong in doing that. 100%. First of all, yeah, you're, yeah you are right. You were a 22-year-old that, that like wanted it all, and LeBron had to like kind of live with that, and LeBron took you to the finals. I get it. You hit the shot that won, but a, were you the finals MVP? B, if LeBron did not perform like that, would you have been in the game? Are you that caliber of a player to even be, you know, 
having those types of words. I understand you are a champion. I understand you are Uncle Drew. I understand that, like, he's offensively, like, yo, I love watching Kyrie Irving play. But the second fact of the matter is, homeboy, you were injured the last playoffs. This squad, without you, and Gordon Hayward, mind you, got to one game shy of the NBA Finals. And their expectation was that this squad like this was one game shy of the NBA Finals with you added, where should they be? Right? Their level should not be one game shy of the NBA Finals. It should be NBA Finals. Right? At least. At the very least. So if there is something happening with this team, and that involves you and, th- and this team's performance, maybe, maybe the first place you should be looking is not at the team, but at the mirror and start with yourself before starting with the team. I mean, and I understand that you had a self-reflecting moment based upon you know, your p- previous behavior and like how you're dealing with this team right now, but that's not something you air out to the media. I understand you, know, you are Uncle Drew. You are the superstar. You are the person with the most playoff experience, with the ring on this team, but that does not make you better than this team. Mind you, this team went to one game shy of the NBA Finals without you. Yeah, I mean, I think he was trying to be a little methodical in this approach. Again, it came, he made his first comments. Jalen Brown made his comment afterwards saying, you know, it starts from the top, work its way down, and then he came back with this. The timing of it was really bad, and it kind of looked very obvious. He was trying to take shots at the younger guys. But, I mean... Maybe he was right in doing this in the way that, again, I want, to, I want to play devil's advocate here. I mean, maybe he had to do this because this is the only way the younger guys will understand is like, you know what? Give the media a storyline to talk about and maybe it'll get, you know, go through these guys' heads. Like maybe that's what's going to flip them around, you know, to kind of understand, okay, listen, I've been in your shoes. I've played alongside a great. We can do this collectively. And yes, you're right. That team did go to, you know, to the conference finals and a game shy from the finals, but they didn't get to the finals. They didn't get there, right? So yes, with the addition of Kyrie, like that's the hump they're getting over with Kyrie. Like that's, that's what it should be. And getting that leader, that guy that wants to be the leader. And again, he did learn from LeBron as much as, you know, he didn't want to, I guess, and didn't want to be the sidekick. And the reason why he left was because he wanted to be the, the Batman of the team. He did grab something from LeBron. And I think he's more than capable of doing that too. Here's my problem with like what he said. It's because like, okay, if this was a LeBron James making this comment, yeah, it wouldn't sit well with me, but I would understand it because, you know, for the, like, the load that LeBron carries, how, how integral he is to that team, to whatever he, team he is on, I would understand that, you know, if he feels like, okay, these guys are not performing, come on. We got a job to do, that sort of thing. Like, there's certain players where I'm like, okay, I understand because you are that transcendent. Apart from, apart from being a multiple-time All-Star and, you know, yeah, being on a finals team and, you know, yeah, being, like, you know, one of the pieces in that finals run and winning that championship, is Kyrie an MVP? How many times has Kyrie been in the MVP conversation? Are we saying Kyrie Irving is one of the top five players in the league? Top 10. I would put him in top 10. Is yeah. he one of the top five? If you're not, I feel like, you know, if you're not, like, that transcendent level of a player, like, you know, that, if there's, there's players that we have in this league that we put at that level, you know, there's the LeBron, KD, 
Steph, we put we put Kawhi there. You know, if they're saying, you know, like, okay, if they're, like, talking about, you know, the team not performing and, you know, not everyone buying in and, like, putting in that sort of effort, I would understand. Whereas, like, but someone like, someone like Kyrie, I'm like, yo, like, what do you have to back it up? This team went to a one-game shy of an NBA Finals without you. Um, man, McNash is really coming with a hot sauce this episode, eh? It's been yeah, not just like Sriracha, like that suicide. Like he, he's ready to slap someone up in yeah. here. You keep your mouth shut. I'm gonna go in and slap your face. All right, all right. Let me just weigh in on this um, and provide a little bit more calm, calm indoor <laughs> voice. Usa, <laughs> Usa. Sorry, sorry, um, sorry. I, I think those are arbitrary arguments when it comes to, like, what level of player you are and that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, leadership skills, um, it's independent, I would argue, of your actual athletic ability. Like, you can actually be a great leader and not be the best player in the league. That is, like, those two can be mutually exclusive. So I disagree with you there. The other thing is that I, I disagree with Nissan on is that I don't think this is the right way to go about things. I really believe that if you're going to talk to the media about performance and what's happening, it needs to come from an altruistic way. And if you watch LeBron, most of the time, it's always we. We need to play better. He'll come off a game where he's doing a triple-double, where he's scoring the winning shots, or where he's the one pulling the team, whatever it may be, where he's had amazing performances. And I'm talking performances where he's, you know, going left and shooting with his right or vice versa, one-handed, all these kind of things. What does he do? He goes back and says, we need to play better. We all know that's a thinly veiled comment about the entire team. Because when you look at the stat sheet and you look at the replays, you know LeBron put everything on the line and brought his best, and really it's the rest of the team that plays better. But no, he doesn't say the rest of the team needs to play better or we need to play with more, you know, they need to play with more attitude or conviction. He always says we. He never singles out individual players. He never separates himself from the entirety of the team. It's always altruistic. So there's a way to do this. There's a way that you talk inside the locker room, away from the media, and there's a way you talk to the media. And this is another slip up by Kyrie. To say this, to say he had this conversation, um, again, he almost puts himself in the position of the de facto leader. You got to earn that. You got to earn that from your team. They got to so look at you that way. Well and I don't think he earned that from his team. Number two, he could have just left it at that, that he just went to LeBron for advice without really talking about the, all the other fluff and all the other details. He could have just said, you know what, having a difficult time. And I, I went to LeBron. I had to apologize for what I did because, you know, for what he did at that time was truly amazing. And to direct my energy in the right way really speaks to his talent. And he could have left it at that. But he kept going and relating it back to his current situation. And that's where the slip up was. I'm not going to go too hard on him because at the end of the day, we look at these NBA players and look at them as like, okay, yeah, you can say they're grown ass men, whatever it is. But God, in the grand scheme of things, you're 30. That, you're still young, okay? You barely find out who you are, and it isn't until 25 that you have some sort of idea, and then you fail and stumble to your way to your 30, and maybe you're 30, and you finally figure out what you want to do with your life, and you're lucky you're doing it. But it's still so young in the grand scheme of things. So we got to give some slack on that regard. 
that they just grew up in a different lifestyle. They don't get to go through the same things that most people go through and learn the lessons that most people do. Objectively, is it okay? No. Is this going to be some world-shifting news that we just got to dump on this guy? No, let's, let's, let's put it in context and provide some nuance. You know what I mean? Well, then. I don't agree. I think that... <laughs> wow! <laughs> There's a long pause there. I thought he was really moved and going to see yeah, my side. But yeah. no. no, I think that, yeah, you should not... You're not at the level of LeBron. You should not be putting yourself in that... Um, in, in those same shoes as LeBron. I agree with the point that you said that he... Him saying, making those comments, put him at the de facto position that, hey, I'm the leader of this team. Which, by all accounts, everyone already assumed that because Kyrie was... The be- is is the best player on the team, but you know, just like you said, the best player does not mean he's the leader, right? So why did Kyrie just take it? Like I felt like he just like at that moment he just like took that title himself. Like oh yeah, you guys, this goes back to my point. This team made went one game shy of the NBA Finals without you, right? Without without you, so without a leader, so. Are you, in fact, the person that's going to lead them there? Or should you be, in fact, the person that is helping and collectively moving with this group to get to the NBA Finals? Actually, fun fact, their leader was actually Brad Stevens. The system is what got them to the Eastern Conference Finals and one game shy of it. It was the system, not, again, they didn't have a leader, but their leader, at least not on the court, their leader was Brad Stevens. Let's be real. Yeah. And I mean, like, now, like, we're getting, like, all these things, like, you know, players don't, like, you know, like this uh, internal locker turmoil, like there's a disconnect between Brad Stevens and the and like the team. Like there's a little mm-hmm. bit of that when like last year we were like, Brad Stevens is the is the is the NBA whisperer. Right, like, right. You know? Right. Nowhere close to Steve Kerr. Thank you all for listening to the show. We truly appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed making it. Make sure to follow at the Risky Fox for updates on the Off The Bounce show, and all the other shows that we produce. This is not the only show that we do. We have the Banana Boys, if you're looking for a laugh, our comedy show, and we have a couple of other shows, a Controlled Chaos podcast where we interview creators in different spaces, and of course, the Risky Fox show where we talk about just content creation, marketing, growth, all that kind of thing. Really, topics related to content creation. So this is not a one-trick pony by any means. We appreciate the support, and we'll see you next time. Peace, peace. Don't forget that drip, folks.